We were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we shall also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. God reconciled us back to himself through Jesus, but there's that other word, that we were his enemies. Now that's a shocking word to think of. Because I would think of, well, I was completely disobedient. No, the Bible uses an enemy. Well, the, the Greek language, what was written uh, in our New Testament, the Greek word enemy means to hate. There are those that hate God. There are those that hate Jesus. Uh, it means to be hostile, hating and opposing another or an adversary. Well, what comes to mind real quick is Satan is an adversary and hates God uh, as much as Satan is an adversary and hates us. Adam and Eve in the garden, when God said, you may fully eat of every tree and herb and grass of the field except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they chose on their own to take up that one tree. And the Bible lets us know that at that point, it went, it went from disobedience of sin to now becoming an enemy of God. I don't think I have any enemies. I may understand national enemies, but an enemy of God. Well, it's interesting because in verse 8, had we read this first, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. That while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, while we were still disobedient, while we were still going our own direction, what does it say there? Christ died for us. Amen. So take out your bread, if you would, Your Honor. Give me just a moment to... You know, we just heard a testimony of... Uh, and I think what I heard was I didn't really hear what was... Oh, there you go. I didn't really hear what was prayed, but I knew inside that something was already going on. Right? And God sends his word to heal our diseases. So as we break the bread today, whatever's broken in your life, your body, family, uh, Lord, we thank you today for a reconciliation from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. We receive it today in Jesus' name. As you take your cup today, Some of you still peeling corn for today. There you go. God demonstrates his own love towards us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father, as we receive the cup today, we thank you like the Apostle Paul says to examine ourselves. Yes. And so, Lord, we do so today. If I've looked upon anything, listened to anything, said anything of my feet have led me astray, more important if my heart has led me astray. John 1.9 says that if I confess my sin, that you are faithful 
interest to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You, you mention it as uh, being washed whiter than snow, that our sins cast as far as the east is from the west, that it's buried to the depths of the sea. You remember it no more. We stand before you whole, washed, and clean. And we receive of that today in your precious promises over our life. We receive the cup. Stand with me, if you would. We're going to close out our communion time with this quick chorus. Good morning, good morning to everybody. Just a couple uh, quick announcements today. This week is our food ministry weekend. So on Friday is our food ministry setup. If you're available and would love to come and serve at that time, it's at 1.30 in the Fellowship Hall this coming Friday. We're in March. Marching ahead here, and then on Saturday, our free food ministry, we begin serving at 9, but come and serve at 8.30. There's plenty to do. We have a great time uh, serving our community as well, so that's this coming Friday and Saturday. Uh, the dreaded announcement is March 10th, Daylight Savings, and I thought we voted against that like several years uh, ago, so we spring forward, so for... How many of you are early morning people? Is it just not going to matter at all, right? How many of you like, oh, March 10th, I got, I'm going to lose an hour uh, asleep. So that's coming up. And then Easter is at the end of March, end of March. So keep that in mind. Invite somebody out uh, for Easter Sunday and end of March. So I also want to mention uh, on our website, we just moved. We moved, well, Friday officially. And I was showing Ernie, I think I had to go and change 20 different addresses on things. I'll give a, an entrepreneur a great business idea. How do you go to one place and they take care of everything? And everybody wants a verification code. And, you know, nowadays, I mean, it was like one of those. But I had to, you know, change of address, phone numbers the same. But if we don't have your email or um, an updated, like you moved and you didn't mention it, um, go on our website, fill out the contact form, just like I will, uh, to make sure we have your uh, updated at least email. We only usually send out one email a week. We, you don't, you know, you're not signing up and you're going to get 100 by tomorrow, right? Just, just one, uh, one a week. All right, so our offering verses today is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 8. And the Apostle Paul again writes this one, and he says, But I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you point at yourself right that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work isn't that that part god loves a cheerful giver it's easy to put a smile on the face and not meet it in the heart isn't it you ever see something and you just kind of No, it flows out of our, our heart, cheerful. So as we do each and every week, I want to put a prayer up on the screen. Would you pray this 
individually with me. Let's pray this together between us and our, our Father God. Let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, Lord, we pray that you would multiply the seed that I sow and use my gift to further your kingdom and to bring glory to your name. I thank you for your faithfulness and for your provision in my life and direct my steps and my heart to live out generously and compassion just as you have shown to me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're giving today in service, there's an envelope in your seat back pocket. As you exit at the end of service, you can uh, place it in the giving slot that's on the wall. Go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Update your address, oh, phone number, and you can give uh, online as well. All right, well, we have a special. Well, it's not even really special. He's part of our church, but it is a special message today from Pastor Sam. He spoke back when we were in the fellowship hall in the summer because the air conditioning was out. I'll let him share a little bit. Please talk about the radio show. So he does live radio at midnight today. He was on at midnight till uh, 1.30, and so I think he just got home about a half hour. No, he didn't. But again, he's part of our family, but we want to welcome today Pastor Sam and his family as well, too. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting me to speak today. It's always a pleasure to share God's Word. And like Pastor said, yes, I wasn't going to mention it, but yes, I do a radio show uh, at KKLA 99.5 FM every Saturday night uh, at midnight. And it's a live program. We take calls and pray for people's prayer requests and answer questions, preach the gospel, uh, invite people to, to just to accept the Lord, you know. And it's, it's a wonderful experience, even though you never know what's going on. You never know how the Lord is using it. And it's, a, it's, it's wonderful when people call and say, you know, I was listening to the show and uh, I accepted the Lord or you prayed for me and I got healed. You know, but, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do as Christians for the Lord. Amen? You know, and uh, this uh, September, I believe it's like August or September, we'll be celebrating our 37th year on KKLA. <laughs> so please keep, our pro keep the radio program in prayer. You know, because like I said, you never know what the Lord is doing, and I just want the, I, I want the Lord to use the radio station, the, to use our radio program. Um, we're out there every midnight, you know, every Saturday night at midnight. And like I said, you don't know what's, what the Lord's going to do, and we just want the Lord to use it. Amen? Well, Father, I just thank you, and I praise you, Lord. Thank you for the years on the, of ministry on the radio. Thank you for, for all that you do. And I pray right now for this ministry, the ministry of your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take over and speak to us. Give us your message, your word of encouragement, Lord. Your word in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, talking about the radio, you know, I, I answer questions on the radio. People call and they... They ask, uh, 
you know, what about this scripture or what about that scripture? Uh, and one of the most basic questions there is in Christianity is, what is my purpose here in life? You know, what is my life all about? Why am I here? What am I doing here on this earth? You know, what is God's will for my, for my life? What is God's will for me and my family? Or, you know, it, it's a basic question that, that all Christians ask eventually in their life. And Pastor mentioned the scripture when we took communion. Let a man examine himself. And I think it's good for us as Christians to look at our lives once in a while. Examine ourselves. Ex you know, look inward. You know, James talks about the man who looks in the mirror. And he looks at himself, you know, and then he forgets. As soon as he turns away, he forgets. You know, a man like that should sh shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord, James says. We need to look in the mirror. We need to be constantly examining our lives, reevaluating our lives, asking, Lord, what is your purpose? What is your will? And don't expect God to, 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 to shout at you or even whisper in your ear and tell you, because God doesn't usually tell us everything. He maneuvers us. He has his way of, of just ordering our steps through circumstance, through allowing things in our life, through keeping things out of our life, God will always have his way in your life if you're searching and seeking God's will. Amen? Amen. So here it is. Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? That's a basic question, but a question that should go along with that is, what do I live for? What do I live for? If, if, if somebody was to answer that, they might say, you know, I, I live for my work. I live for my career. I live to be a teacher. I live to be uh, a, sir, a, 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 a paramedic, a fireman, a policeman, a whatever. Whatever your career is, you might live for your career. People live for their career. You know, people on Wall Street, that's all they can think about. Stock markets. And polit how about what's going on today? In the politicians, they literally live for their position in politics. It's what they strive for. People live for different things. You could say you live for your career. Some people live for fame. How many people come to, to California to come to Los Angeles, to Hollywood, to achieve fame in the entertainment industry, whether it's acting or, 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 or uh, singing or whatever, become a singer or actor. They're looking for fame. They're looking to become famous. They think that fame will bring them happiness, will bring them joy. So some people live for fame. Some people live for power. We're back to politicians again, <laughs> right? Some people live to get wealthy. Some people live for money. You know, there's an old phrase, you know, do you work to live or do you live to work? You know, do you, do you make money to live 
or do you live to make money? Some people work and live for wealth. So what do I live for? What do you live for? What does the Bible say about living in this world? I will take you to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And I underline this but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Bible tells us that when we come to him and when we give our lives to him, that something's going to happen. There's a process that begins to happen in our life. Our mind starts to be transformed and we need to have our minds renewed and you know i think of uh, of, of the word transformed uh, my pastor used to love to, to give this illustration of transformation metamorphosis is the greek that is the word is the greek word for transformed and it's like a a, a, a caterpillar going into a cocoon he goes in as a caterpillar, but there's a transformation in that cocoon. There's a metamorphosis, and out comes, eventually, a beautiful butterfly. Totally different. Completely changed from a caterpillar crawling on the earth to a beautiful butterfly that can fly around. Changed. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to change the way we think. God is calling us to think differently. And please follow me, I'm going somewhere with this. Well, what are we to change the way we think about? Everything. We have to change the way we think about, you know, we come into Christianity one way, and God changes us to think of things differently, to have a different outlook. You know, you come into Christianity with, with, with a worldview that has been formed by your life, by the way you live, by the, what you've been taught. But now we're to have a Christian worldview. We're to look at the world through God's eyes, not through our own. To have a godly worldview. And we'll talk about what that means. Everything. Everything has to change the way we we our mind, we have to change the way we think about everything. And I'll take you to John, First John, two fifteen. And John tells us, "Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him." For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. 
The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. God is telling us, change the way you think. Do not love the world. Do not love the things in the world. Don't live your life for the things in the world. Why? Because the whole world is passing away. You know, we acquire things in our life. You know, some people uh, acquire knickknacks and things in the house, and uh, some people collect stamps. I'm a Disney fan. I collect Disney things. Pastor Walter's been in my house. He's, he, he's seen, you know, the Disney things that, you know, don't, please don't hold it against me. You know, you know I, I've been a Disney fan before they started going the wrong way. But we collect these things. We acquire these things. And you know something? Somebody's going to get your stuff. You can't take it with you. There's a, you know, it's just a cliche. You don't see a U-Haul truck behind a hearse. Somebody else is always going to get our stuff. And if not, if, 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 you know, if, if the Lord comes back before we pass away, it's all going to get burned up in the, in the, in the tribulation. In, it's all going to go. Nothing of this is forever. This world is not forever. We are forever. Our eternal soul is forever. So why should we be living our lives for things that are going to pass away? For things that are going to get burned up? For things that are going to not be ours? We can't take it with us. So John is telling us, he's writing to Christians and telling us to change the way we think of the world. Do not love the world or live for anything in the world. Don't make anything in this world that important. You know, things happen. Things change. Things pass away. There's nothing in this world that is so important that it should take over our lives. We all know people that things have taken over their lives. Addictions. People live for, for al alcohol. People live to drink and get drunk. People live because they're addicted to substances, whether it's cocaine or, or, or heroin or whatever. People are addicted to gambling. I know people who have wasted their, their, their life savings, who have given thousands to, to, to gamble. You know, people ask me, why haven't you? I work too hard to waste my money on gambling. It's not right. It's not blessed of God. Addiction to anything. We need to change our mind. We need to change our, the way we think. Christ, God has called us to change the way we think. We need to be separate from the world. Another word, another word for separate is holy. God has called us to be holy. You know, God hasn't called us to be happy. In the world, he says, you will have trials and tribulations. But take courage, I've overcome the world. How do you overcome the world? By being separate from the world. By being holy unto God. That's what it means to be holy. 
to separate yourself from the world, to change the way you think about the world, for this world not to be so important. It's not that important. And we'll get to what's really important. John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, pastor was talking about that just earlier, about, you know, uh, being enemies to God. You know, there's a word, enmity, in the, in the Bible that means an ongoing conflict. We're at an ongoing conflict with the world. The world hates Christians. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Know this, my brother and sister. The world is not your friend. The world hates us. Just look at the media. Look at the, when you watch television, who do the comedians make fun of the most when they're talking about religion? Do they, do they make fun of Islam, of the Muslim? Do they make fun of Buddhism? No, they're making fun of Christians. The world hates us. Uh, you know, if you, if, you know, governments are hating on Christians. A friend of mine was just here from France. It's giving, and we have a, a ministry in France. I'm sorry, in, in Russia. He heads a ministry in Russia. There are now, since 2002, there are now 23 gypsy churches in Russia. And they're supported by his ministry. And he goes four times. But it's getting harder and harder to minister in Russia because they're making so, much, so many more rules and regulations about ministry. He can't send money directly to, Ru to, the, to the Russian ministry anymore. He has to send it to Poland, and then they kind of smuggle it in to the ministry. All over the world. Persecution. We, we don't really understand it, but there's so much persecution in the world of Christianity. More persecution of Christianity than any other religion in the world. So the world hates Christians. The world hates us. But know this, they hated me before, before it hated you. So we're in good company. It's okay. It's okay. We're in good company. They hated Jesus first. So the world hates us. If, if, you, were, if you were of the world, the world would love you. So the Bible teaches us not to love the world. Amen? Can we agree on that? Okay. Now, here's where it gets a little funny. Here's my dilemma. It's not really a dilemma, but somebody might bring it up to you once in a while. Smart aleck. Somebody being a smart aleck might say, well, if the Bible teaches you not to love the world, why does God love the world? Because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. So how can he tell you don't love the world when he loves the world? Well, go to the biggest rule of hermeneutics. Context, context, context. Why does, he tell, why does the Bible say he loves the world? He doesn't love the world. He loves the people in the world. 
He doesn't say he loves the world system or what the world teaches. He's saying that he gave his son for the whole world to be saved. He's loving on people. So don't ever get those two confused. You can hate the world and love the people in the world. We are to love people, amen? We are to love God's creation. You know, remember this. God created the world. It's okay to love. How can I say this? God created the world for us. You know, when you look at the mountains, you can love the view of the mountains. You can go down to the beach and enjoy the beach and the, the ocean. We can enjoy the things of this world that God created for the purpose that he created them. He created this world for us to live and enjoy his creation. God says, you know, Paul says in Romans, the first chapter, that God is revealed by the glory of his creation. You know, you look at the mountains and you say, wow, God made those mountains. God created, you know, this, this, this pasture and the beauty, this river. The, take a look at the Grand Canyon and things that God created. It's beautiful. We can enjoy and love things that God, for the purpose, things that God created for the purpose that he created those things. When God tells us not to love the world, he's telling us not to live or to love the things in the world the way the world teaches and represents, the system of the world. When the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he means people. He means his creation, what he created. But what he created has been corrupted. When he says don't love the world, don't love, what the don't love the way the world teaches us. Don't love what the world teaches. You know, what does the world teach today? That it's a right to kill innocent children. That gay marriage is appropriate. That we can't pray in schools. We can't teach our children. We can't, the, 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 the world system is what God tells us to hate. The corruption that the, that the enemy has brought into the world, we are to hate. Love what God loves and hate what God hates. Amen? The word of God never teaches us to love the things of the world, the system of the world. Because First John tells us we are not of the world. The world as we know it today will definitely pass away. This world is not going to last. It's not going to last forever. This world is not eternal. Solomon tells us that living for things is vanity. Ecclesiastics 12 7 and 8 says, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spring will return to God. I'm sorry, the spirit. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. As children of God, we don't live for things. 
As children of God, we don't live for things, especially things of the world, worldly things, carnal desires, fleshly desires. Don't live for that. Live in the Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Look to God. And I'll end with this. The real question is not, what do you live for? The real question is, who do you live for? We live our lives not for a what, but for a who. Paul tells us in Philippians 1.18, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We live for a who. We live for Jesus Christ. We live for what he represents. We live for what he did. We live for what he's doing. We live for what he's going to do. We live for what he's prepared for us in eternity. It's not here. It's there. It's with him. Amen? Well, God bless you, my brothers and sisters. team come on up stand with me if you would in fact can I encourage you um, and you know his message will be posted here in just a few minutes can I encourage you to uh, download that listen to that one again and maybe send it to somebody that you also thought of as well because what what a powerful thought we have to remind ourselves all the time all the time all the time not to love the things of the world. You know, when they wrote these things, you know, uh, they, there wasn't the nightlife like we have today, but they still were doing the exact same things then as they do today. Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But it's so easy for us to do that. So, Father, as, as we close out with a song of worship today, Lord, we pause before you. We humble ourselves before you. Lord, we listen and receive of your word that was given to us, the wisest man that ever lived outside of Jesus on this earth. It's just vanity. Our spirit will return to our Father. So, Lord, we pray that you use our lives. Lord, uh, strengthen us every single day. This is one of the, the battles of life, that we don't get drawn into the things of the world. But thank you that we identify with Jesus. Even if the world hated him and they hate him, we identify with Jesus. The early church was so excited that they were counted worthy to be persecuted because of Jesus. And so we, we worship you. Let's close out with this song.